This is Transistor.fm. It is time for Product People. It's Thursday. How's it going, friends? This is Justin Jackson. I'm at MIJustin on Twitter. I'm so glad you're here. I've got a great show for you today. Sasha Grafe is back on the show talking about how he marketed his book that he he developed it along with uh, Tom Coleman, Discovering Meteor. And they've had uh, a really great success with this so far. I think you're going to really like it. Uh, I really like Sasha's perspective. He's different than other people in the startup bootstrapping product world. And uh, I find it quite refreshing. I think you'll like it too. A few quick notes. Productpeople.club has some screenshots up. If you want to see what all the fuss is about, go to productpeople.club. This community has been running for about a year in beta, and we are about to open it up again to new members. You can sign up for the waiting list, productpeople.club. All right, let's get right into it. Here's a little music from my friends over at Striker. Justin Jackson here, and I'm with Sasha Grafe, who is originally from France, but right now he's living in Osaka, Japan. And Sasha's a designer and developer, and his most recent product, you might have heard of it, it's called Discover Meteor. Hey, Sasha, how are you doing? Hey, Justin. Hi. Right on. Okay, let's get right into it then. I think what I want to start with is your first ebook. Um, and by the way, if anyone wants to check out all the work that Sasha's done, you can go to sashagrafe.com, and he's got a great uh, portfolio going here. So you have a, your first product was this little ebook. Here it is right here. Um, and uh, wait, is this it? Yes, this one here, step-by-step yeah. UI design. So maybe take us through the, uh, the process. How did you get the idea? And how did you validate it? Okay, so I guess how I got the idea was that um, I launched the, the book in April, I think, and uh, was it 2011? I'm not sure. Anyway, in, uh, in uh, December of that year, I worked on uh, another project, uh, which was Codeyear. So uh, Codeyear.com, it was a project launched by the Code Academy guys. It is time for Product People. It's Thursday. How's it going, friends? This is Justin Jackson. I'm at MIJustin on Twitter. I'm so glad you're here. I've got a great show for you today. Sasha Grafe is back on the show talking about how he marketed his book that he, he developed it along with uh, Tom Coleman, Discovering Meteor. And they've had uh, a really great success with this so far. 
think you're going to really like it. Uh, I really like Sasha's perspective. He's different than other people in the startup bootstrapping product world. And uh, I find it quite refreshing. I think you'll like it too. A few quick notes. Productpeople.club has some screenshots up. If you want to see what all the fuss is about, go to productpeople.club. This community has been running for about a year in beta, and we are about to open it up again to new members. You can sign up for the waiting list, productpeople.club. All right, let's get right into it. Here's a little music from my friends over at Striker. Justin Jackson here, and I'm with Sasha Grafe, who is originally from France, but right now he's living in Osaka, Japan. And Sasha's a designer and developer, and his most recent product, you might have heard of it, it's called Discover Meteor. Hey, Sasha, how are you doing? Hey, Justin. Hi. Right on. Okay, let's get right into it then. I think what I want to start with is your first ebook. Um, and by the way, if anyone wants to check out all the work that Sasha's done, you can go to sashagrafe.com, and he's got a great uh, portfolio going here. So you have a your first product was this little ebook. Here it is, right here. Um, and uh, wait, is this it? Yes, this one here, step by step UI design. So maybe take us through the uh, the process. How did you get the idea? And how did you validate it? Okay, so I guess how I got the idea was that um, I launched the, the book in April, I think, and uh, was it 2011? I'm not sure. Anyway, in, uh, in uh, December of that year, I worked on uh, another project, uh, which was Codeyear. So uh, Codeyear.com it was a project launched by the Code Academy guys. And all they did, basically, is set up a landing page saying, hey, uh, put your email here if you want to learn to code. And so I designed that landing page, and it went on to be, like, really, really viral. They had 600,000 signups, I think, or millions, maybe. And at the same time, I also wrote a blog post about how I designed that uh, landing page. And that blog post also went viral, and it was, like, you know, tweeted 600 times or something, and it got mentioned in TechCrunch and in a few other blogs. So um, I, I already knew that, but it confirmed my belief that there was a big demand for uh, instructionals about design and, and more specifically, like a really detailed step-by-step -step, uh, process about the, the decisions be behind the design. You know, not just, oh, open Photoshop and draw, click here to draw a rectangle and make it that color. Because you can find a lot of info about that, but more the process and the thinking behind uh, each each of those things. Yeah. So, yeah. And and so for you, um, having those things that you'd built, this landing page, and then also this blog post, for you the signal there was that they they were just really popular. Is that yeah. right? 
Exactly. Okay. And um, so you you're you noticed that this is really popular. And and did you did you realize right away like what specifically was popular, or did that take a little bit more digging? I think I realized right away because it, it wasn't my first tutorial. It wasn't my first time writing about design. So I mean, I've always believed that people really respond to quality content. Like, you can see the difference if someone just writes up a blog post with no like no data to back it up, or if someone takes the time to really do some research, or you know, even put up some screenshots, but really do something that's valuable. So I, I've always believed in in trying to do that when I can, and I think it always pays off. Like in my experience. There's a, a direct relation between the amount of time I put into a blog post, for example, and the blog post's popularity. Yeah. So. Um, and but for you, there there must because you've been blogging for a while, so you you had this trend where you could see like you're kind of going along, and for you there was a definite spike when it came to the process behind UI design. Yeah, I think so. I think the the reason why is because it was my first product and people respond differently to like products I guess even if you could have the same content packaged as a blog post or a product and people will I think respond more to the product because it seems like you know it's its own thing and it's a self-contained unit of value I guess so yeah. um yeah I think you know when people saw it was an ebook um they shared it more maybe and they I'm not exactly sure why, but it seems like uh, yeah, that made an impact. Yeah, that that's interesting. Like, I think sometimes people think, um, you know, why? Like, if I put all this together, like, for, especially with an ebook or something, there's information everywhere that people could go and find themselves. But if I package it together, it becomes a thing. Yeah. And it also surprises people that uh, sometimes people are just excited about that. They're just excited about this. Package more than they would have been about you know a single blog post uh, that covers just a little bit of that. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, it's it's a thing. Like even just to talk about, it's easier to talk about one thing than say, hey, here's twenty blog posts to read, like on twenty different sites by twenty different people. Uh, if you have one ebook, one video, one one thing, it's much easier to to communicate. Yeah, and I, I wonder if also it, it's there's something about uh, people looking for a solution, and so you know if you're in the business, uh, sorry, in a business, and you're looking for um, you know a solution to, you know maybe you're stuck on the process. How how should I design a UI? And you know you've already looked at a few blog posts here and there, but it doesn't feel quite organized. I guess in that case, someone saying, well, here's a book. That covers that. That that would be enough for people to be interested and to want to check it out and also to share it as well. Yeah, and also with with a book, you can like target your messaging to one audience or or one use case. You you can say here's the problem I'm solving, and here you go. Like just read the book and you're done. So I think people respond to that. I mean they they wanna yeah again they don't wanna have to look through twenty blog posts for that. Yeah. All right. So, what for that first book? How did you market it? Which channels did you use? Uh, maybe what tactics worked best? 
So I pretty much, yeah. Well, I did something that's, that you really shouldn't do is I put all my eggs in one basket and focused everything on Hacker News. Yeah. Um, uh, and actually, I wrote the book with this audience in mind from the start because I really wrote it for uh, developers or non-designers, you know. Hmm. Um, and it's actually been the focus of my blog for a while, I think, is I was never interested in explaining design to other designers because... You know, they already know design, like, you know, who am I to tell them what to do or you know, what not to do? On the yeah. other hand, I feel like developers or maybe just marketing people or regular people, uh, it's much more interesting to try to demystify design and and give them, like, you know, new superpowers. Like, I don't know if you know Cathy Sierra, but she yeah. has this theory that uh, good marketing is explaining to people how you're going to make them more powerful, like Photoshop gives you the power to make your pictures look nice, for example. Or yeah. Instagram is another great example. Like With Instagram, anybody can become like an artistic photographer with a, a few filters. Yeah. So my blogging is like, with if you read this, anybody can become a designer. Well, of course, it's not that like that, not that simple, but it's kind of the message be, behind my my writing. Yeah, and wh why do you think you said you did something you shouldn't have done, which is you put all your eggs in one basket? Uh, so, so why why shouldn't you have done that? Why not focus all your attention on you know just hacker news? Well, because if you look at my sales chart, there's like a, a huge spike on launch, and that's when the book reached maybe number one or two or three, or I'm not sure, but a really good ranking on hacker news, and it dropped tons of traffic. But if you know if it hadn't gotten those upvotes, or if like a, a, an admin was in a bad mood and flagged the post, or whatever can happen, you know that that huge spike wouldn't be there. So mm -hmm. it's like a, a really random and, and dangerous thing to rely on, I think. Yeah. And so now, knowing what you know now, what would you have done differently with that first product? What other channels would you have used? So, for example, for Discover Meteor, we had a, a mailing list. Uh, for maybe six months uh, before uh, actually launching the book. So we had, by the time we launched, we had maybe 2,000 people on it. Um, uh, we did some guest posts. Um, we we established contact with other people in that community. So, I mean, you can read uh, uh, Nathan Barry's Authority. It's a really good resource on on those things. But for my first ebook, I didn't do any of that. I uh, basically... I wrote the book, I set up the landing page, and I posted it to Hacker News. Gotcha. So the mistake you made with the first one is you were kind of working away in a cave, then you put up the landing page, then you posted it to Hacker News, and that was like that was the plan. And if that yeah. failed, your maybe the sales launch would have would have failed. Yeah, that, that's pretty much it. Like there was no preparation or like I mean, sure, I, I had a small following already and. I had written popular content before, and also uh, one thing people like forget to mention often is the book is really short. It's like 40 pages, so it wasn't like I wrote. It wasn't like I spent like six months in a cave and and raised everything on one day. It was more like okay, I spent a month working on this project. So even if it failed, it wasn't a huge deal for me. Yeah, and actually, this is a good example of something that uh, a lot of people. Uh, in the bootstrapping community are talking about, which is build a, a really small product first, 
and uh, which is what you did. You built this small, forty-page um, thing. You could have built an app. You could have built a lot of things, but you chose this really small product. Uh, and I think that ended up helping you because you probably learned a lot just by creating and launching that that thing. Yeah, because um, I guess I, I'm both lazy and insecure, so. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think that's a lot of us, you know, and and I think that's probably part of the challenge is that, you know, you could build something really big, but what happens if no one shows up? Yeah. But doing that small thing gave you kind of the the uh, the experience. I, I think sometimes, you know, it's kind of like uh, it's kind of like anything. Like, if you really want to learn how to downhill mountain bike, you've got to start off just learning how to ride a bicycle. Uh, you don't want to take the chairlift up to the yeah. top of the mountain and start riding, right? Uh, and starting with that small product is a good way to do it. Yeah, I mean, it, it's the whole principle behind the, the Lean Startup Movement, right? Like find a MVP, minimum valuable product, and start from there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, you, you mentioned, uh, I want to talk about Folio in a second, which is your, your, your actual, uh, it's a web app. But let's go next to Discover Meteor because you've already mentioned it. So what is Discover Meteor and how did you get the idea originally that this would be a good product? So Discover Meteor is a book that teaches you uh, how to build JavaScript web apps with the Meteor framework, which is a, a fairly new framework that um, basically the concept behind it is take all the all the, the best practices behind like building modern single-page web applications and make it much, much easier to do that. So Meteor apps are uh, reactive, basically real-time by default. Uh, they're also uh, all JavaScript, so you're writing both the back-end and front-end code in JavaScript. You don't have to juggle behind, between uh, Ruby and JavaScript or PHP and JavaScript. And the, the last thing I really like is it's actually a single code base, so you can even reuse the same code between the server and the client. So it's really like rethinking, you know, there's this whole debate between like server uh, heavy apps or client heavy apps. So I really like Meteor because it tries and like remove that whole distinction altogether. Mm -hmm. And so how did you know, um, how did you know this would be a good community and a good Place to build a product. What what was what was were you kind of seeing that made you th think, huh? I should invest some time in producing something for this community. So the the whole reason how I got started with Meteor was because um, so it it also goes back to Hacker News. Um, my first book did really well in Hacker News, but one of the lessons uh, I, I got from that was that you know it wasn't really that wise to rely on something out of my control. So um, I, I started thinking, like, what if I had my own Hacker News that I do control? Yeah. And so that led to what is now Sidebar, which is a, a daily newsletter and, and site that uh, aggregates the five best design links of the day. And um, Sidebar has gotten pretty popular, and Sidebar is built with Meteor. So it's the original reason why I learned that framework is because I wanted to, to build that. Gotcha. And um, so I, I built, so Sidebar is actually powered by an open source app called Telescope, so which is built in Meteor. And after building Telescope, or rather during the process of building Telescope, I met uh, Tom, my Discover Meteor co-author online. 
And Tom was already a really uh, important member of the Meteor open source community, so he knew, well, I think he was and probably still is one of the most knowledgeable people about Meteor outside of the Meteor core development team. Mm -hmm. So I, I was asking him a lot of questions in the IRC uh, Meteor chat room. Also because Tom lives in uh, Australia, so we were in the same time zone. So we ended up bumping into each other a lot. Yeah. So uh, Tom helped me with Telescope, with that open source app. And at the same time, I felt kind of bad because, you know, Telescope was my app, but I was afraid he wasn't getting that much out of helping me. So I, I approached him with the idea of writing a book because I, I thought this way, you know, he maybe he can make some, some money of it or it could even be good for his career as a meteor developer. Yeah. So that's how the idea got started and I guess at that time it was more about, hey, let's see if there's any interest in that and if there is, we'll we'll take it further. But mm -hmm. I, th I think it was much more successful and, and much bigger than either of us anticipated. Yeah. So how, how did you validate the idea uh, that you know, writing a book for for the Meteor community would be a good idea. How how did you actually uh, test that hypothesis out? So I, I tried to do a, a really like gradual and iterative process. So the first thing I did was um, I had this landing page for Telescope, the Meteor open source app, and I added a sign up form, just a plain email sign up form to it saying something like, hey, we're writing a book about everything we learned building Telescope. If you're interested, leave us your email. So at first, it didn't even have its own landing page. It was just a, like an, something on another site. And mm -hmm. I think we got a couple hundreds signups from there, maybe. Okay. And um, so that, that prompted us to then create uh, an actual landing page for the book. And at the time, we didn't have, even have a name, so it was just TheMeteorBook.com. Gotcha. And so that was a landing page. We got maybe you know a couple hundred uh, signups more from that. So at, at, basically at each stage, we were validating the demand to take the thing further. And yeah. we still hadn't written a word of the book at that time. So the next thing we did was uh, add a blog to TheMeetYourBook.com. So we started blogging there. Yeah. And I think after maybe one or two months of that, we had enough emails that we go, okay, there's a demand for that, and we started working on the actual book. Yeah, wow. And so how many emails did it take? Like, you said you, you got a, a few hundred at a time. Uh, at what point did you feel like, okay, there's enough demand here that we could start writing a book? Maybe around 500. Um, maybe I can get you the exact numbers later, but I, I think a couple hundred is, is good, I think. Yeah. And and did you talk to the email list at all? Uh, did you just collect the email addresses, or were you starting to email them right away? No, we didn't talk to them. Um, yeah, maybe we should have, but... Like, I think one thing people really need to understand is I think it's impossible to do everything right. Like, hmm. if you read the authority, like, there's going to be a checklist of 20 things you need to do. Um, it's okay just to do like 10 or 5 or even 3 of them. Yeah. Know? So, um, yeah, and I mean, up to, up to this day, I've never done any A-B testing on any of my projects, for example. And like, Patrick McKenzie will tell you that I'm leaving 
money on the table or and I know that but you know you can do everything yeah I think that's important that people also realize you can't do everything you're not going to like have enough time to actually yeah. get everything done but for you what was the most important piece on that checklist that you did do for discover meteor so I think validating the idea is pretty important so collecting those emails mm -hmm. um, yeah. and and a lot of people like you started blogging about it right away that's interesting yeah. Um, yeah that's really important too and and so would you if someone had an idea you're saying that maybe put up a landing page um, start blogging start yeah. seeing what kind of interest you get put that email list up right away and based on the reaction you're getting then you can start deciding you know whether to keep going yeah exactly the other thing that you did that I think was interesting is that discover meteor actually the whole thing started off as um, uh, project marketing right so you you had a, a project uh, telescope and even sidebar that people got interested in and then based on the reaction to that um, you kind of kept going with it. I think that's another thing people can do. Sometimes they have little projects in their back pocket that they've already done or they're thinking about doing and based on the reaction to those projects sometimes you can uh, create something out of it. Yeah and I think that's a really important point because you know open source is re really important but a lot of people don't know how to live off open source projects. It's really hard. Like, do you charge for a commercial license, or do you have like a pro version or something, mm -hmm. or do you charge for for your time through support? And so, the way we found is, we we support our open source projects with the book. So I think that's a really good like um, way of combining both things. And mm -hmm. for example, like things that I will learn. Uh, by working on telescope can then be reinvested as extra chapters for the book and the other way around like um, I've learned tons of things in the book that I've reinvested uh, in telescope exactly yeah and just to summarize you mentioned this earlier but once uh, it sounds like after you started writing the book you were still doing some marketing as well uh, maybe talk a bit about that yeah so the timeline basically is we started working on the book maybe in January or February 2013 and it came out in May so yeah during those five months we kept uh, blogging we kept doing guest posts um, what else like I think we maybe we spoke at some meetups mm -hmm. um, yeah I think that's really important I mean you have to keep things going and and make sure you you stay present in people's mind. Yeah, yeah, and I think to your earlier point, uh, a lot of us have a lot of anxiety about launching a product, and at least for me, that ongoing effort of continuing to tell people about it uh, while you're building it uh, and keeping them kind of connected with what you're doing actually helps with the anxiety yeah. because you know at least people are interested in it. You're still getting people signing up for your list. Um, you can even drip out little bits of content, uh, you know, things that you're working on, and get feedback as well. Yeah, and getting feedback is great because it, you're involving your own audience in the process, so they feel like ownership of the project, and and I think it makes for a really stronger connection. 
Mm -hmm. yeah. One question that's come up. Oh, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say by the end of those like five months, we had people on Twitter asking us when the book is coming out, saying they couldn't wait, and that was really cool. Like, that's the kind of validation you want, right? Yeah, that it's a good feeling when people are actually yeah they're kind of walking with you, and then and I think it goes counter to something that you know sometimes we feel as creators is that we do sometimes want to go away into a cave and build something and then kind of reveal it to the world and and you know hope that the world validates us this is a different way of doing it it's like showing people what you're working on uh, which in some ways seems scary but it's way less scary than like doing the big reveal I'd rather yeah. have a bunch of small reveals yeah I, I agree completely closing thoughts what's your advice First question, what's your advice for developers who are looking to market their first product? Mm, I think, first of all, a lot of it depends on the product. Like It depends on the audience. Uh, like we yeah. said, B2B, B2C. Um, is it like a book? Is it an app? Um, I guess my main advice would be do what, you're, what you like doing. Uh, like I like writing, so a lot of my marketing is writing on a blog or a guest post or so on. If you're like more of an analytics guy or like we talked about Patrick, uh, he's really good at A-B testing, so if if you like that, do A-B testing. Yeah. Because, um, I mean, it's going to take some time and it's going to be a, a, a long process anyway, so you might as well enjoy it. There's no, right. no sense in like forcing yourself to to blog if you don't like it. Yeah, and I, I think the other one that you brought up before uh, was uh, if you like building things, maybe build something small that yeah. you could use to market your, your product down the road. Yeah, that, that's uh, a, that's really great advice. Like, if you're building like, I don't know, let's say a time tracking app, maybe build a, a really simple widget, uh, a scaled down version of your app, that people can just use without even signing up, and maybe it can go viral or create some some buzz around your project. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's uh, like some guys that are really good at doing that is uh, Zurb. Yeah. So they have a a, a lot of apps like maybe uh, they have an app to annotate designs, and they have an app for uh, uh, testing your designs, and all of their apps have smaller free counterparts. Yeah. So I mean they they have the it's a system for them. Like they launch a new app, they also launch a new, like free version of the app, which has a different name and different branding. But it's just a way for, to bring people and get them in the door. Yeah, and what I like about that approach is you could actually you get to hit it twice. You get to release the the little project and get buzz that way, and then you get to release the thing where you say this is how I built it and get more buzz that way. So you kind of get two for the price of one with uh, actual like little projects that you can release like that. Yeah. Cool. Uh, and what about, what's your advice for developers that are looking to market an existing product? So it's something they've built and maybe they need to like change markets or what kinds of things would you be thinking about if they'd already built something and they're just having a hard time getting traction with it, what would you recommend? Well, I think the first question is what do your current users or buyers think, think of your product? Yeah. Is it a good product? Uh, is it solving the problem it, it sets out to solve? Um, 
I mean, even if it's a bad product, you can still market it, but it's going to be an uphill battle. So I, I think that would be the first step. So assuming you have a good product and people are really happy with it, um, like don't get discouraged, I think. Even if, you, if it's already launched, maybe it's even like two years, three years old, uh, you have to re remember that for people who discover your product, they don't know it's three years old, you know. There's, for them, there's no difference between the, the brand new thing and the old thing that they are seeing for the first time. Yeah. So um, you, you can always like reinvent yourself and launch a new homepage or basically each, each new person that sees your product is a new chance at, at making a good first impression. So uh, yeah, the, the age of the product doesn't really matter as long as it's good. A lot of the a lot of the audience that you're going to sell to is going to be this community that you either join or that you know you create, and maybe it even goes back to who you enjoy being with, who you yeah. enjoy speaking to. I, I I think that's a a really valid point. I mean, yeah, it's definitely not the only way to do it. Like, you can you can sell a product to people who don't know you or just buy your product once and then. You know, they might use it, but never. Like, I have tons of small, like, Mac apps or stuff like this. I have no idea who made them, and I don't feel like I have a, a, a time zone widget. I don't feel part of a time zone community or anything. <laughs> so that definitely exists, too. But for our case, like Discover Meteor, we're definitely really, really part of the Meteor community. Yeah. So Perfect. Well, Sasha, thanks so much. For sharing your insight and what you've learned so you've learned so far, uh, no I really appreciate Th thanks it. Thanks for the great questions, as always. Great, great. Well, we'll see you later. Yeah, see ya. Okay. Thanks so much for listening to the show. Big thanks to Sasha Grafe. You can follow him on Twitter at. Sasha Graef, G-R-E-I-F. You can find his website, SashaGraef.com. And definitely, if you want to get into Meteor, DiscoverMeteor.com. Like I said, I'm Justin Jackson. That's at M-I Justin on Twitter. JustinJackson.ca slash newsletter online. And if you haven't already... Go into iTunes, search for product people, give us a nice review. Helps everyone else find the show. And uh, the more listeners we get, the bigger this product people community gets. You can follow us on Twitter as well at Product People TV. That's it for this week. Thanks so much for listening. We'll talk to you soon. Podcast hosting is provided by Transistor.fm. They host our MP3 files, generate our RSS feed, provide us with analytics, and help us distribute the show to Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. 
If you want to start your own podcast or you want to switch to Transistor, go to Transistor.fm slash Justin and get 15% off your first year.